0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is
1: the Big Ten Show with the almost famous Adam Carriker and the much less famous Jeff Turner. And now, your hosts, Adam and Jeff. Welcome in to the big 10 show. I am Jeff turn. That is the somewhat famous, um, you know, maybe almost know. famous, maybe future famous Adam character. And I'm definitely the less famous and probably never famous. <laughs> Jeff turn. Uh, We welcome you in to the big 10 show and a fun addition today for you. We'll hang out with former Iowa Hawkeye linebacker, longtime NFL guy with the Minnesota Vikings. It's rare you get to see someone stay with an NFL team their entire career. Adam, you know that as well as anybody. Uh, But he did that with the Minnesota Vikings. So we'll talk to Chad Greenway in just a little bit. Adam, uh, happy uh, week. Well, actually, happy episode three. It's not week three yet. Happy episode three. How are you doing today, buddy?
0: Dude, I am doing glorious. And I wish we would have started recording 10 seconds earlier than we did. Dude, there was stuff flying. There was mics falling. There was about three or four restarts. It was great. But we're professional here.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I hit the mic around. It was all that going around. It was crazy, man. So, yeah, we're we're settled in. As I said, Chad Greenway in just a few minutes. And we're going to actually go outside the Big Ten for just a second. It'll rarely happen. But you brought this up to me, and I saw you tweet about this, too. Now, you and I may – this may be one where you and I have a little difference of opinion here, which is great. But uh, there's some people leaving Colorado right now, the football program, and most people thought everybody would be trying to knock the door down to get there once they signed Deion Sanders as their new head coach. What do you make of the departures from the Buffaloes?
0: So, first of all, I hope we talk Dion on this show from time to time. Because if we don't do it here, I'm going to do it on some of my other shows. Because Deion Sanders is a celebrity amongst celebrities, and he transcends conferences. And by sure. the way, who knows, maybe Colorado will be in the Big 12, then ACC, then Big 10 in the next five years, the way realignment is going. But... When it comes to Colorado and people leaving, and I don't know what your opinion is. We do that on purpose here. Uh, and we know the topics, but not each other's opinions. You know, it, It's funny because I saw people making fun of Deion Sanders for players leaving. And I was like, well, he kind of told him to leave. He's got the number one incoming transfer portal class in the country right now. They're probably just seeing the writing on the wall. And a lot of the guys who've left, no disrespect to them, have not been able to get on another Power 5 conference team. There's been about five or six of them, but a lot of them ended up on non-Power 5 conference teams. So when I asked that question, it was me kind of – and I left it – I didn't put an emoji. I didn't put nothing. I just wanted to see how people would react. It was me poking Dion a little bit, who, by the way, was my favorite NFL player growing up. True story okay. right there. But it was kind of like, how are people going to respond? Because for me uh, – if if you're way over the scholarship limit, like they are, somebody's got to go. Somebody's going to see the writing on the wall. He's an old school guy. He's not going to be for everybody. And he needs to make room for those incoming guys. Now, as a, as a Nebraska guy, I just want to poke. I want to have fun. I want to point out that he named his son the starter at his opening press conference because that's not favoritism or predetermination right there. I love the fact that his son was the only one who had a number on his jersey at the start of spring ball because everyone else had to earn their spot that's the Nebraska guy in me. The Deion Sanders fan in me says, if you're a Colorado fan, I wouldn't worry. The Nebraska guy in me says favoritism, daddy ball.
1: That's great. That's what I read into it. I read, I read it as if you were being the Nebraska guy, because yeah. I felt there was a little bit of a poke there in me, like anything Dion does. I love, I think it's hilarious, uh, sort of some of the people that are mad that he brings sort of this bravado with him. I'm like, dude, what do you expect? That's all you got from the time he was at Florida state where he was like a star. One of the first few like individual stars in college football. And that brand translated to the NFL, whether it was with the 49ers, the Falcons, the Cowboys, uh, Washington, wherever. And, and now uh, he's doing it in college football from an HBCU to a PAC 12 school. So man, I'm, I'm all in on Dion and You know, I, I was disagreeing probably with the Nebraska side of you, but agreeing with you as far as the Dion fan side of you. And listen, if it doesn't work out and it, and he fails at this, he is going to get criticized as much as anybody, but Dion will land on his feet, whether that's back in TV or, you know, at at another school that's willing to go, all right, I'll give Dion the opportunity there. But yeah, I, I think, you know, you kind of hit it on the head right away. He told people, listen, this ain't for all y'all. Uh, we're going to do things a certain way. And you mentioned it too, as flashy as Dion is, he's somewhat old school, man. Like he, he, he wants things done a certain way, sort of cut from the cloth of like a Nick Saban with the way the coaching style being kind of a hard ass. And then, you know, still having the, 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 you know, the forward thinking of, Hey, it's about your brand and it's about the individual as well.
0: It's interesting. You point that out because he's bringing his luggage and it's Louie but he's going to make you work hard to earn your Louis. at the same time. I do have yep. to point something. Out. I don't know if you've seen these videos that the some of the Colorado social media folks have been putting out. It's Travis Hunter at wide receiver, and he burns a defensive back. And I wasn't going to say – I never did say anything. But other people pointed out that the DB – I don't know who he was, no disrespect, but he looked like a middle school kid. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we putting out Travis Hunter versus what looks like a guy who probably just transferred earlier this week? So I, I just – I don't know. I thought that was interesting as well. All right, um,
1: and then I wanted to, you know, follow up on something that we were talking about the other day, and we're going to get into a little bit of this with Chad Greenway when he joins us here in a little bit. But you know, we were talking about Minnesota versus Nebraska, and I think we we're going to talk a little Minnesota Iowa today, uh, maybe a little Iowa Nebraska. But I was talking to a coach at the Division two level this week, and he has some good friends on some staffs throughout the Big Ten, and. I don't know that there's been a time in the Big 10's history, at least as of late, where even some of the schools like Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland feel like their ceiling is growing as much as it is, and that's why this this Division 2 head coach told me he goes he said I can't wait to listen to your guys' podcast this year cuz he said I think the Big 10 is going to be really really competitive and you know, you're not going to get maybe some of the beatdowns of, you know, 48 to 10 like we've seen as much in the past, I think top to bottom, and I don't know if that's because of the transfer portal, um, you know, just a, a influx of talent. That fifth year COVID thing still translating to guys sticking around. But this coach told me he's excited to listen to our podcast because he thinks the Big Ten is going to be very competitive top to bottom this year. Do you think that's
0: a that's a thought that's accurate
1: as we get towards the year?
0: Well, one final button on Dion. Oh, go ahead failing at colorado how much worse can they get they were one of 11. i mean seriously. all right but i digress we'll move forward we'll talk about the big 10 now i think top to bottom the big 10 is the best conference top to bottom when you look at the sec they win national titles they got highly ranked teams some of that could be some of the the southern bias uh also it's very top heavy you look at the bottom of that conference and it, it it drops there's a big drop off and obviously if you take the top team and the bottom team from any conference there's a drop off But there's a noticeable drop off from about their fourth and fifth best team to their sixth and seventh best team. We're in the Big Ten. I don't see that big of an immediate drop. So I think top to bottom, it is more competitive. And once we add USC, UCLA, and I want to talk about this more in depth on another show, how that's going to impact in an insanely positive way recruiting in the Big Ten. Because right now we have no ties to California, Texas. Florida, Georgia, the top four recruiting states in the country. And all of a sudden we're going to have direct ties to California in the next couple of years.
1: You know, that's the thing too, man. So who, who, uh, of those two schools, we all know USC said the, the, the better years and everything else, but I'm interested to see, uh, where we, where we get that benefit from recruiting more from the Midwest states between UCLA and USC, how much do the current schools, that are in the big 10 footprint and we'll spend, I'm sure a, a bunch of time on this at some point, but those, those teams that are in that footprint that usually have a stranglehold on certain recruits. Cause Hey, proximity wise or whatever. Now you can go out to Southern California and you can go out and live in gorgeous weather. Uh, you get to be around gorgeous humans you get to have the brand of USC and UCLA,
0: and Are you and Westerners aren't good looking. Is that what you're l- saying? Listen, man. I mean, you're there's some South Dakota easy now.
1: Listen, there, <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to tell you, there's a big difference between South Beach and South Dakota. Let well, me tell true. you. Yeah. I mean, there's there's that's a big true. difference between Southern California and southeastern South Dakota. No disrespect to the women. I'm just saying, there's more of them. Oh, in those you places. said women.
0: Oh. Whoa, you just yeah. singled out
1: people. All right. Yes, that's right. I'm singling out the women. I'm saying there's a big difference between the women in Southern California, the number of them and what they're doing on a daily basis. Dude, think about the average human in South Dakota. It, you know, we don't see sun for five months. Okay. They're just perfectly tan the entire year, man. So I mean, dude, we're all we're all good. As we wait for Chad Greenway and we'll we'll get him in here in a second. Um, real quick, I wanted to also ask you about, you know, that that conversation about Dion and the the transfer portal part of it It, do you think that one conference benefits from the transfer portal more than another like where would you rank the big 10 in regards to transfer portal uh because i'm 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 going back to the california stuff once you get california in there i think hey i can jump to the big 10 and i can go to california i think that'll help out in the transfer portal do you see like sec big 10 pac 12 big 12 like a certain order of where just holistically you know the transfer portal benefits one conference over the other
0: I think right now the, the teams that are benefiting from the transfer portal the most might be the teams that are not considered upper, upper echelon type teams because Alabama, Georgia, all those schools, they're going to get top recruits and top five classes, but they're not all going to play. Like Nebraska right now already has two, if not three Georgia transfers. And there's another big time Georgia, I believe defensive tackle, highly recruited guy who's going to lead. And so other schools can pick up these guys, and they can get immediate impact type players. So for me, the SEC, what was it, two years ago? All right, every single one of their schools had a top 25 recruiting class, which blew me away. I mean, we're talking Vanderbilt, Kentucky, all those schools. That that was amazing to me two years ago. Well, not all those guys are going to play. So the schools that are non-SEC schools, conferences, non-SEC conferences, I don't believe we're inferior like I said, top to bottom, I think the Big Ten is better, but now that talent will get dispersed instead of being, oh, I have to sit out a year if I want to transfer, so I'm stuck here type situation. So I believe the Big Ten as well as the, the Pac-12, I don't know what the exact number of teams are going to have in a couple of years. They might be down to eight pretty soon, but the Pac-12, the, the ACC, and all those other conferences, but I believe the Big Ten probably benefits the most because they're the biggest name conference that will be out there and available for those players. When it
1: comes to the transfer portal, too, do do you think that, you know, obviously we understand the weather in the Big Ten is different than the SEC, the ACC, or even, uh, you know, in the Big 12, uh, for the most part. Uh, Do you think that, like, I I just always remember when I was younger, like, weather would come into the conversation. And I know Nebraska used to go get kids from California as good as anybody or Texas. Uh, Nowadays, because the facilities are so great, because you're indoors a lot, do you think weather comes into that decision as much or even close to as much as it used to?
0: I think it definitely plays a part, but where you've got the indoor practice facilities and you've got these bubbles and all these things that these teams can use, like teams have spent hundreds of millions of dollars, just about every team you can think of in in these off seasons to build these facilities and these indoor practice facilities. So it takes weather out of it a lot. You go back to like the mid 90s, the 80s, the 70s. And you had northern teams, Big Ten teams, trying to get ready to play in southern bowl games. And they're out there practicing in snow, and it's 10 degrees. And then you go, and four days later, you're playing in 95 degrees humidity somewhere in Florida, probably. Maybe if you're lucky, it's 80 degrees in, in California. And so that was a big advantage and probably a deterrent for a long time. So that is absolutely something that I think the Big Ten can benefit from going forward.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think, too, from that part on with regards to the transfer portal, um, you know, the NIL just trumps everything when it comes to the reason why I think most top level talent will go somewhere else. When that wasn't a part of the equation, weather was pitched to these kids, you know, playing time and all these other things, what it looks like on campus as far as the facilities are concerned. But that NIL stuff, man, I mean, it it is totally different. Uh, when it comes to
0: bringing in transfers versus what it was 15 years ago. I think NIL levels the playing field, especially yeah, it for does. those schools that can provide NAL to potentially incoming players. And I know a lot of the schools like Georgia and Bama and uh, Nebraska can be thrown into this as well, because I've spoken with Coach Rule about this subject specifically. But a lot of the coaches are like, I'm only going to give you so much. And if you're just coming here for NIL, then you don't really want to be here and it's not going to work out, which I completely understand, respect and actually back up that logic. But if you're a school who's willing to pay a little bit more, you might attract some of those guys you might not have been able to in the past. Now, whether they're going to come there and work out, I don't know, but at least you get them on campus and you can see what happens.
1: Yeah, certainly true. I know Chad Greenway is efforting us right now. I was told he is – he needs to get firefox. He's he's been trying there we go we got chad now man let's get chad on here chad got firefox okay so he is ready to go at this point chad Hi. greenway uh, uh adam Carricker, and myself jeff turn on the big 10 show what's up buddy how you doing chad
2: i'm doing well i had to go to the phone instead of the computer so uh i, got, <laughs> I didn't get firefox downloaded that would have taken me like probably most of the day to figure out so here i am <laughs>
1: Awesome, man. Former Hawkeye, former Viking joining us now, man. Uh, first of all, we were talking the last couple of weeks. We were just kind of going through spring football. And when we got to Iowa, one of the first things that comes up is talking about their offensive coordinator and the restructured contract and offense. And we all know you're a defensive guy, but how much confidence do you have in your former program that offense will improve because it has to with regards to the job security of Coach Ferentz there?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the best part about the University of Iowa is the stability we've had at the coaching staff. I mean, a lot of the guys that are there were the guys that were the, the ones that are recruiting me 20 years ago, um, which is nuts, 20-plus years ago, uh, as old as I am now. Um, you know, obviously, defensively, they've, they've been as good as anybody in the country, special teams as good as anybody in the country. We can out-punt anybody. Um, but, you know, it all comes down to having the ability to score some points. And, you know, I played with Brian. We, we uh, came up through the ranks together at, at Iowa um, and, you know, want nothing more than for him to have success because we know what that leads to, that leads to team success and, and, and all sorts of things. And um, so our hope is, I, you know, the contract, I didn't read do it too much. Um, it, it, it uh, it's one of those things where when he's, when he's your sort of your buddy and and the guy who runs your, the offense for your alma mater, you want him to do well. And, you know, I don't know what sort of uh, financial, um, implications they put on it i just want them to do well at the end of the day so we hope it works out um we hope we score some more points and i think everybody knows that's what uh, they're trying to do so let's hope it gets better boys so if according to that contract that you alluded to
0: they got to average iowa 25 points or more uh, points per game next year or coach ferris will not be brought back coach brian ferris my question for you is do you believe they'll be able to average 25 points and in order to get there do they have to change their offense a little bit? You look at Wisconsin, who used to be very similar to Iowa, and now they're going spread. You look at Minnesota, who was still kind of similar, but they run more out of the spread, even though they're going to run power and counter and all those things like Iowa does. Iowa's a little bit more traditional, more tight ends, more fullbacks. Are they going to have to adjust at all, or can they get the necessary point allotment doing what they've been doing for so
2: long? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, we we scored a lot of points for a lot of years. Um, and I'm not sure what, what you define a lot as, but enough to, to know that 25 points is going to be enough. And under the very a very similar type of offense, now of course, um, the game changes. You know, things advance, things regress, things change. New new ideas. Um, and they've kind of stayed the status quo, which has been has worked. They've won. You know, not at a, at a high high level, but they've won at an Iowa level, recruiting level that's that's appropriate. I feel like. Um, But again, like you have to find ways to manufacture points at Iowa right now, whether it's defense or special teams. I know those points are included in the contract as I understand it. Um, So you're still going to get a lot of good defensive points. You're going to get a lot of good special teams opportunities. But at the end of the day, I mean, we all know you can't rely on that. That's what's kind of come down to Iowa season these last couple of years is you rely on the defense to score points. Uh, Adam, you and I know both know how hard that is, and how few and far between that is, and how mm-hmm. how often it leads to a, a win. Uh, whether it's a special team score or defensive score, I mean, you win. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's a lot of those games—ninety percent, I would assume, or more. Um, so it's we, but we got to score offensively. You got to find more creative ways. And I think to to answer your question specifically, I think you can do it with some wrinkles. I think you can stay pretty close to to what you know and what you are and who you recruit. Because inevitably, you have to be able to run the offense of the kids that you recruit and what they can do and their capabilities. So whether you change your the, the, the type of asset you're recruiting or you put some wrinkles in to get creative, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to throw the ball and catch the ball. Um, and the worst part about the Iowa offense right now is, is we've lost the ability to be physical at the point of attack and run the ball. And that's probably the hardest part um, to, for me as, as an alma mater to look at and say, hey, if we can go out and pound you for 250 and we may only score two or three touchdowns, I'm still kind of cool with that. Cause that fits our style, but right now we can't do either.
1: Former Hawkeye. Oh, go ahead, man. Former Hawkeye, former I Viking question. at uh, Chad Greenway with us. Go ahead, Adam.
0: Yeah. I have a question to follow up on that because how was Iowa able to be so physical for so long? Because they weren't fancy. They weren't going to trick them, dick them or any of that stuff 99% of the time, they were just going to line up and hit you right in the mouth time and time and time again. How were they able to be so physical up front for so long and why do you feel what is the cause that they haven't been able to do that as successfully recently?
2: Yeah, I, mean, I think what is it a regression on what they're teaching? Is it a regression on the recruiting? I mean, you kind of have to look at those types of things. I mean, we just always, you know, we were when I was coming through. This, again, this is a million years ago, but you know, the idea was that we're going to we're going to get kids that were under recruited, and we're going to have a massive chip on their shoulder, and they're going to go prove it. And we had a lot of those guys come through, and, and there's been a long lineage of those types of guys. But well, then when Coach Ferris brought that program kind of into the into the forefront and got a lot better and started getting better recruits, you know, you had better athletes to deal with, but I think what you see is you you see um, just a regression of that style of football. So I think the type of kid coming out of high school is also different um, from a mentality standpoint than than they were certainly when I was coming out and you were coming out. So I think there's something to be said for that. I think the Midwest football in general, but the the athlete they're recruiting has changed to more of a spread style, more of a style that a lot of colleges have gone to. Um, you know, I was running the old wing tee, triple option, all the good physical stuff. I mean, that's the type of kids they were recruiting. So. Um, the thing about I was it's always about keeping things simple because if we can if we know what we're gonna do and we're gonna play as fast as we can play, we're gonna out fundamental you. We're gonna do what we do and do it well. And you can do all the trick and dick and things you want, but we're gonna just stay in our spot. We're gonna make our tackles, we're gonna, we're gonna do the right things. And it just seems to be as the game has changed, just a little bit of debe- a little bit of development around having to manipulate that system. Just a just a tad bit.
1: Trickem Dickem made it to the show twice today, which I'm very happy it did. Uh, absolutely, Adam character Chad Greenway. Uh, by the way, uh, Adam, do you know this? Um, not only does does Chad have the resume of football players, he is now he started a vodka company called Gray Duck Vodka. You know, there's another one that's similar. But uh, so I've asked him many times, what's what's the best drink for certain situations. When I was winning Chad, what's the best what's the best drink for the, the the vodka and what's the best drink for the vodka when they're losing? What are you mixing? Is there a difference one?
2: Well um, yeah I mean we, we have a great relationship with the Minnesota twins and a few years ago when they broke the home run record in a single year we, they were called the bomba squads. We have a, we have a, a drink called the bomba juice which is which is really well liked up here in Minnesota. That's got a little strawberry puree in it it's got a little uh, just a touch of lemonade uh, so it's a little sweet uh, but nice and strong. And then if we're losing just vodka on the rocks or vodka, (laughs) just straight shooting it, man, a little bit more hardcore, there you go, a little bit
1: more hardcore, man, you bring up Minnesota, you bring up Minnesota where you live. Uh, we were having this conversation about Minnesota and Nebraska earlier this week, which, which future is brighter moving forward. And you got Matt rule coming in there. Of course, PJ has been rowing the boat for a few years. If I asked you that same question though, what, which future is brighter the next five to seven years? Is it Minnesota football or is it Iowa football?
2: Oh, that, I mean, that's an easy one for me to answer. I think you know, PJ Flex been up here for a number of years enough enough years to set his sort of sail and sort of set his system in place. And again, like you know, you see a you see some regression in the recruiting, in my opinion. That he was catching a lot of steam here about three years ago with a lot of big time recruits that are coming up, and and I feel like he's kind of regressed on that a little bit. And you know, what's the reason behind that? I, I don't know. Is it is it guys, young guys coming in and maybe seeing through some of that stuff? Um, you know, I tend to believe a coach like PJ, and this is no disrespect to him. It's just his style is it's a little bit about him and it's, you know, he's sprinting from end to end at the quarter and and he's sort of, you know, he's rowing the boat and he has all these cliches. And, um, it just, to me, it doesn't fit the culture, um, of the society that he's recruiting. Um, I think Ference really fits the Midwest. I, you know, kind of ideal football coach still. And when you're looking at the in-state guys and look at how good Matt Campbell's done at Iowa State, he's kind of the same guy. You know, he's he's kind of this stoic figure. He's going to do things the right way. He's a little bit old school. Um, and I think if you're if you're raising a kid, um, I have all girls, but if I'm raising a boy who's so going to play football, I'm going to say, hey, I, wanna go, I want you to play for this guy because he's going to teach you how to be a man. He's going to teach you how to impact your family and your life. Um, and that's what I got from parents, And that's what my parents loved about him or love about him is – is he taught me all those things and i think i think there's something to be said in in how you recruit a kid and what your actual product is because it always comes down to wins and losses in football right But when you've lived it like adam and i have there's so much more to it than that yes there's wins and losses but what kind of kid are you developing what kind of human are you developing that's going to come back in 10 years and and you know be be winning awards for what he's doing back in the community or whatever that might look like i think that's you know that that's to me, as a program, that matters the most. Long-winded answer again. I'm good at those today, but I think that um, I, I think the stability of Iowa is is going to be better in these next five years than what PJ's done in Minnesota.
0: So I had one written down here. Uh, I had Iowa or Michigan State. Which one's future mm-hmm. is brighter? Because Michigan State's been a little bit more up and down. People could argue maybe their ceiling is higher because they've got Big Ten championships, Rose Bowl championships in the last decade or so. But Iowa's more consistent. How do you view that
2: yeah i think they recruit a little different different sort of demographic and area obviously michigan produces a ton of talent itself they're living right by ohio I w- i'd probably give the edge to michigan state i think the uh, the ups and downs of that program is a little hard to understand um but they've had some really big ups these last five to ten years like you said and they've had some downs. you know mm-hmm. again i was sort of that, that stable rock but i think if you're gonna look at the next five you know you probably give the nod up to michigan state and i would kind of lean into the recruiting based on that
1: uh, Chad, we'll get you out of here on this man. Uh, you know, we, you mentioned all, all girls, girl, dad, and we just saw women's basketball peak at a height that we've never seen it before. And and you could put a lot of that on the back of Caitlin Clark down there at your alma mater yeah. at Iowa. You know, I sent and I accidentally uh, sent you the link that you, I know have already read. And I was trying to send it to, to Adam the other day. About how many points your daughter has scored, and she's only a freshman. I mean, I was having this conversation like a month ago with somebody. People score 2,000 points in a career, and their name is up there at the high school. Your daughter's through her freshman year and over 2,000 points. So it's a two part question. Uh, first of all, how much do you think Caitlin Clark's impact has affected the Iowa brand? And how much is it affecting, like, you know, the girls that are playing with your daughter and just girls' basketball at the high school level?
2: Yeah, put some context on that. She plays the seventh and eighth grader as well, so she's yeah, not just in one year, right? I just three said. years of varsity of, of varsity athletics. But Kaylin um, Clark is changing the game in the women's side. She's fun to watch. I mean, she's explosive. She's got a little bit of ego. She's got a little bit of arrogance. She plays with a chip on her shoulder. Her skill level is beyond belief at times. Um, and I think it's the Steph Curry effect. You know, give him credit first, and then it kind of trickles down to the women's game. And and um, I, I had some good friends from South Dakota that went down to to Nebraska uh, to watch Caitlin and that, that stadium was full and Nebraska's got a very good women's program. Um, and it's just funny to see how, not funny, it's, it's great to see, um, what she's done for the game. And, um, my daughter plays point guard. She's a scoring point guard and, you know, it's impacted her recruiting because folks are seeing her run high ball screen actions and be, be able to score from that position and push tempo, all the things that Caitlin does. And, and Madden is kind of, falling into the role of, like, hey, we want, um, we want a point guard that can score the basketball. It's sort of changing as is sort of the college game and the men's side, too, is where the point guard's not just the distributor's going to score the basketball, and that's helped Madden a lot. Uh, but she's been so good for the women's game, the NIL deals that these girls are now getting, uh, the impact, I think, on young girls. It's, it's crazy. Like, look at my own house with four daughters, and they're all athletes. Um, my wife was an athlete, and the, the appreciation for them um, is getting better and better, stronger and stronger. The TV viewers are, are following and we need characters and people like Caitlin. We need the situation with LSU and Angel Reese in the championship game. I think it's so good. From a guy who played at the highest level of the men's game, um, I have a massive appreciation for the skill level it takes to be as good as these girls are. And uh, what I despise more than anybody is these mouth-breathing dudes that never accomplished a thing in sports that says that it, you know that women's sports are stupid. You know, it's just it's silly to me. Um, and I, I love it. I, I love and I'm, I'm I'm very proud to be a part of the forefront of that development for the girls. And one of the main reasons, you know, I loved Kobe and one of the main reasons that he was such a big loss for our society was what he was doing for the women's game. And uh, you know, it's just, you need, you need folks like that, these massive earth movers that can really change, change the, the game. And, you know, in in this case, Caitlin's doing it for, for the girls. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. All
1: right. 20 seconds, man. One-on-one happens between Chad Greenway and Madden Greenway. How does
2: that go? if if he takes if it's a three dribble limit, I can't back her down. We have a problem. Um, <laughs> I was a hooper. I was a hooper too, and and that's mostly what I've done these last six years in retirement is basically basketball. I can't shoot a men's ball anymore. I only shoot a game or a women's ball. But um, if it comes down to pure skill, I have no chance um, at all. And even to that point, my twelve year old's probably getting about as good as me is too. So. Uh, I'm And my cardio is not as strong as it used to be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We all know how that goes. We all know how that goes. One of the things I took away was being an earth mover, not a mouth breather. I thought that was life lessons to the T right there. (laughs) Quick question. I know you got to run. We got to run too. Quick question. Can the Nebraska-Iowa rivalry, I know it's growing. Can it be one of the top 10 or 15 rivalries in college football,
2: say 10 or 15 years from now? I absolutely believe it should be and it can be. I think I actually expected it to be to this point. I think the 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 as I looked at the rivalries like Minnesota Wisconsin Iowa State there's not a true hatred amongst those groups like I think the Iowa Nebraska thing sort of has the potential for yep, it. it's getting there. There. <laughs> it, you know I was been you know relatively dominant these last seven eight years until this year and I think it's it you know for me I'm I'm, I'm I love the back and forth that's what makes it so good so um, obviously you want Iowa to win, but you love this back and forth. I have a bunch of friends who are Huskers and I have a bunch of, and I have a bunch of, um, I have a bunch of, uh, folks that are always talking a ton of smack to me. And it's been fun to have the edge these last, you know, the majority of these last eight years.
1: There you go, Adam, the majority of these last eight years. We'll see if that changes sooner rather than later. And if that becomes <laughs> one of the best rivalries in college football, Chad, I always love our conversations, man. And I appreciate you joining us on the big 10 show today. Thanks so much, man. Now we know what to drink. Straight gray duck vodka when, when our team is losing. Mix up some bomba juice when our team is winning and celebrate as well. Thanks for the time, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Chad. That was good stuff, Adam. Absolutely. Chad Greenway joining us there. Uh, I've had the gray duck vodka. I was doing a remote once with Chad and he was signing bottles of the vodka. The line was out the door, man, uh, for people. And they were buying the 175s, not that little silly stuff. They were buying the one, so They were going home and ready to drink, man. That was fun,
0: man, with, uh, with uh, Chad for sure. Oh, that was great. I completely agree, man. Another great episode.
1: Another great episode, buddy. That's Adam Carricker, the almost famous Adam character. I'm the uh, less famous Jeff Tarrant. Another page is turned here on the Big Ten Show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and uh, give us a good review on iTunes, Spotify, and check us out on YouTube. Uh, appreciate the time, as always. We'll check in next time. Be well, y'all.
0: You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks?